This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey podcast, Joe from Team Gary here. Today's episode is an interview that Gary did with Esquire Middle East, where he talks about his fears in business and how he overcomes them. Enjoy. Do you think there have been any kind of major winners over this time? Either people or brands who have kind of taken and ran with this? A hundred percent. I mean, you have a whole slew of micro entrepreneurs that started mask brands and things of that nature. And then at the macro level, you have direct consumer brands that have massively succeeded during this time. Anybody who's in the DTC or e-commerce um, infrastructure game has benefited greatly. And those who uh, are not and have relied on physical um, situations has has struggled to some degree. So, you know, there's been, um, there's always winners and losers when there's a sea change. And um, I think the biggest winners are um, direct to consumer infrastructure businesses, whether it's <clears throat> the delivery mechanisms, aka the pipes and the shovels and things of that nature, or brands that are within that ecosystem. So, I guess one of the positives um, out of all this is that it has forced some brands who were resistant to kind of, I guess, jumping feet first into digital marketing and social media to get serious. Do you think that will ever go away again? Do you think there'll be a natural correction once the pandemic is over or are we, are we here to stay? There has been a sea change. I think we're here to stay. I think there'll be a, back to, if we're using water, there's some leveling down, but it won't go to pre-COVID levels. I think a lot of people have come to learn the incredible importance of, you know, communicating in a modern way. Um, and so, no, I think a lot of brands have built up new muscles and um, it's kind of like adding leg workouts or cardio workouts mm. to your to your workout regimen, you're gonna now, you know, factor it in. Um, and I think, you know, the most conservative will go back at some level to, you know, some of their old ways, but I think the majority of organizations have realized there's incredible opportunities in, in some of these digital landscapes, and I think they'll go deeper into those waters. Mm. So then kind of the same question, but on the other side of things, has this affected how, people uh, consume content and interact with brands? Is that gonna be a lasting effect as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, yes. I think people have um, discovered a lot of new things, whether it's TikTok, whether it's a new OTT platform like Peacock, or if they've added one, whether that's Hulu, most people had Netflix. Um, uh, I think that interacting with brands from a, you know, how do you buy them standpoint has changed dramatically. Um, I think people have discovered new brands because they're in their phones and their feeds a lot more. Um, I think video infrastructure, I mean, this interview, there's a 50% chance that Maha and I would have booked this on one of our two or three trips a year and we yeah. would be doing this over a, a coffee. I think, I think all of us are dramatically more comfortable with video conferencing and, um, and I think you'll, you'll see the effects there. Do you think, do you think that's going to spill over? Because you obviously do a lot of events. You, you kind of talk at a lot of different events. Is this going to spill over into, into that space? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I do. I believe it will. And I think you're seeing that as well. I think, you know, you'll have more virtual conferences. 
Um, I, I think there's, there's a sea change. I do think humans inherently in our depths of being animals like being around each other. So I do think you'll see in 24, 36 months, plenty of concerts, plenty of conferences. But I do think you'll have additional virtual events. And I think that some of those uh, conferences and, and concerts won't, won't come back. I think that one will be a smaller percentage, but I, I do believe that, yeah, I do believe that's the case. So then kind of on that, I think this pandemic has put an awful lot of uncertainty into people's minds. And I think even the most die-hard self-starters right now might be doubting themselves. So I was kind of wondering, kind of on that theme, if in your journey did you ever doubt yourself, or have you ever been scared that a business decision or an investment might fail? Um, I've been thoughtful in knowing that I was doing things that were high risk and had a potentially high percentage chance of not succeeding, but I either A, needed to taste it, like I just genuinely needed to um, see it through, like I was just too curious to, to not, not do it. Um, I don't really fear, I, I've never done anything in business that if it fails, I have to remarkably change my lifestyle, I have to sell my home, I have to you know, not, I've never done that kind of behavior. And then even more importantly, I've never been scared to play humble, meaning humbly accepting defeat and definitely humbly in my lifestyle. So I've never, I've never um, worried about that. I mean, that, that fear in business has almost never been a variable for me. Um, and so the answer is not really. And I, and I think it's important for people to hear this. I'm not saying that I always think it's going to be great and I'm overconfident. It's just that when I know I'm in losing situations or potential losing situations, I mentally uh, corked my wine social network from 2009. Failed felt very confident that it might because I wasn't running the business. I was, I bought it. I put somebody in place. I was stretched in between wine library and the start of VaynerMedia. And I just wrote a book. Like I knew that it might not work and I would lose money. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, buying something called Lost Letterman, a sports media site failed when I integrated it into VaynerMedia years ago. But, um, but I wasn't, concerned about it because I learned a lot, which led to me making the acquisition of purewow.com and building a true media conglomerate. Uh, Vayner Live and Vayner Events failed twice. I had ex you know executives, one who's still a tremendous friend, it just didn't click, and another one that she went on to wanting to do some stuff on her own. Um, but I've learned a lot about live event marketing and feel very confident that when I get into it, uh, if I get into it, I'm now in a different place. And all of those were losses and all of those were six or seven figure losses, but didn't put me out of business and, and, and taught me quite a bit. And more importantly, not the kind of thing that I feel any shame or concern about. Um, I'm thrilled for the executions and the learnings 
and the fact that I get to play for another day. And I, I think more people need a great relationship with losing and fear when mm. it comes to business. I think people have to recalibrate it. I think too many people struggle with outside opinions about their wins or losses. For me, I try to keep it in a very narrow pocket of like the cheering and the booing is all kind of the same. And I just got to keep focusing on the goal at hand. I was going to say, you're, um, you come across as quite a self-confident person. Um, and you're more than happy to bet on yourself. Um, and again, that kind of not listening to other people's opinions is effectively kind of why. Where does that come from? Because I think a lot of people right now... Really good parenting. Yeah. You know, I mean, DNA for sure at some level. But, you know, my mom created a very confident and consequence-driven environment. Uh, meaning she, she, she reinforced my kindness and who I like the all quote unquote the right things. But there was enormous amounts of merit. You know, uh, when I would have a bad baseball game, I would remember, I would try to come up with an excuse. She suffocated it. When I got bad grades, I would be grounded. Mm -hmm. um, so there was consequences, but there was a lot of confidence. And, 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 and I honed my skills. You know, I think entrepreneurship got so cool business got cool in this last decade. And a lot of people jumped in, but a lot of those people were artists. A lot of those people were students. Mm. A lot of those people, um, you know, grew up in a manner where they did other things. I have been honing my business skills since I was six years old for real, for real, like truly 80%, 70%, 60% of my childhood was shoveling snow for five bucks making lemonade and selling it all day, washing cars, like literally washing cars. Um, it was that, mm. it was that, like that, that's what I did. You know, uh, one summer was spent strictly building a miniature golf course in my friend's backyard and then selling tickets to play the course. Mm. Like, you know, it was, and then once baseball cards and sports cards kicked in at 12, 11, it was game over. That was the next six years of my life. And then by then I got dragged into my dad's liquor store and started doing, you know, son of a, you know, son of a merchant life. So I've been in a business cocoon my whole life. At 44, I'm a old man in business terms because most people get into the game in their twenties. So I, I feel like a 65 year old from an experience standpoint. So then uh, I guess what would be your advice to someone, I guess, thinking about potentially starting a new business or someone who maybe has just started a business and is, is getting hurt. Because obviously they can't make that experience, they can't conjure it out of thin air. Meaning? As in, if you, you could rely on the fact that you have been kind of in business for so long, um, which allows you to be self-confident, is there any way for someone who may not have had that experience to, I guess, I don't know. Start. Really yeah, no, I think it's a great question. No, no, I, I understand now. I apologize. Uh, look, you can't, you can't fabricate it. So I think the number one thing is you go in recognizing you're naive. I do that quite, you know, it's funny. I appreciate the confidence um, statement, but I will tell you, I really enjoy humility too. Like I like knowing I don't know. Mm. I'll give you an example. Right now I'm incredibly hot on sports cards. Mm. I've been talking about it a lot and we're seeing it all over. I actually sold a bunch of uh, messy rookie cards. Uh, excuse me, I bought a bunch of messy rookie cards from somebody in Dubai. So mm. this is starting to get global, especially with foot, proper football 
being a global sport and we're starting to see soccer, Mbappe. I mean, you can't imagine what's going on with his cards and stickers. Nonetheless, I had a seven year career being a baseball card dealer from 11 to 18. And two years ago, when I realized something was happening, I spent six months reading and learning mm. before I jumped back in. And I had a lot of context. Yeah. But I had the humility to know that I was rusty and there was a lot of things that changed. So to the person that you're asking, I would tell them to go in with naivete, mm. which is a strength a lot of times, but with deep humility. And, and you know, I see a lot of these well-educated kids, kids of wealthy and successful, um, go in and think they're going to kill it and their overconfidence and lack of experience disproportionately ends the game before it started. Hmm. Read up. Um, so let's talk about this new world order for a second. Um, everyone is buying and selling things online right now. And I think that what has happened is it, it, that, that kind of broke the habits of even those who previously preferred to go to physical locations. Does this spell the end for traditional brick and mortar? Is this the, the final nail no. in the coffin? No, no, no. I think it, well, it's the nail in the coffin for certain brick and mortar brands that have terrible leases, no real dot-com infrastructure, mm. and they're finished. Okay. But what you're going to see is you're going to see the leases restructure. You know, it's all supply and demand if you've yeah. got to, you know, you know, and I think you'll see retailers re-innovate. I think we're going to have a lot. I'm excited for the future of retail because I think that you're going to see a ton of new concepts at stores that are going to be like fun. Like I'm excited to go to retail in 2035 because I know they're going to be forced to do more than just have it there. Yeah. And so I think you'll see more things like genius bar, right? You'll, you'll have more, you know, help more what I would call utility. Yeah. I think you're going to have more entertainment. I, I mean, think about this. If you're a beauty brand, a store retailer, and you want to go after Alta and Sephora, I would do something where I created an, a beauty influencer inside my store. 300, I would call my brand 365 Beauty. And the concept is all 365 days, every store has a major beauty influencer in that store doing product signing demos. Like you can, I just made that up on the spot. So like, you know, to me that you're going to see people innovate. And so I think to your question, yes, brands that we know, Lord and Taylor, you know, you'll see some big brands that everyone grew up with, Toys R Us, go in America, many in Dubai that will quote unquote go away. Yeah. What I think you'll see come from that is a whole new breed of experiential brands um, and paying leases that they can afford with margins that they can afford. And I think it's going to be pretty cool, actually, to be honest with you. It sounds like you're describing physical retail locations as, as a platform. A hundred thousand percent. Because we're not going to live, we're not at the VR stay in your home for life stage yet, <laughs> you know? And so I don't see a world where we don't have retail as a meaningful part of the component. I just think it's not as we know it today. And guess what? Retail looks a lot different than it did 50 years ago. And in a weird way, it doesn't. And that's why I think it's time to see a huge reset. So uh, media brands are feeling this as well. Um, basically, anyone who relied on selling eyeballs to other brands to make money 
And obviously, you know a thing or two about kind of the advertising industry um, and getting people to engage with your content. So I guess the, qu the question is, is can anything be done um, to save traditional media? No, I think you're seeing the same thing. You know, look, traditional media, again, newspapers are still being printed. I'm not sure that I would have believed that in 1995. So Fair. what that experience taught me is, look, things get dented, they don't die, mm. right? And so um, to me, give me one second, I just wanna write that down, I like that. Things get <laughs> dented. I wrote it down too. Um, so I think traditional media will get dented. What do I mean by that? Network and cable, as you and I know it, mm -hmm. I think will get dented because OTT will eat up a lot of that. Mm. But I do think in 15 years, there is cable and network TV. I just think that it looks like newspaper now. Like, yeah. it's, like, I don't think you and I know a whole lot of 40 and unders that read the newspaper every day. No. Um, but I'll even pick up a newspaper at a hotel and read the front page for two seconds or skim it. But it's like an afterthought. And you have mm -hmm. 70 and 60 and 80 year olds that will read it. And so I think, I think that's what you'll see. I think OTT, internet video, will eat up uh, cable and television as we know it. And then, I mean, if you're saying traditional media, if we're talking marketing, I mean, it's incredibly crazy to see something made for a television commercial. I'm, I'm hoping that you know, with OTT, people will make longer form videos, more creative videos, but the format looks to be sitting the same, which is you're trying to watch this Hulu show or mm -hmm. this show on Roku or Amazon or Netflix, you know, and, and here comes a video for five seconds to interrupt you. Yeah. So the format hasn't changed a whole lot just yet, but I do think the context of the platforms and the, and the targeting capabilities that these, you know, you're gonna be able to target on television the way that you targeted on Facebook and Instagram. And I think that's going to create a whole new variable that I'm excited about marketing in. Mm. So what about, because obviously you, you are in the, the media space as well. Uh, how is PureWow doing? Uh, how has that done over the past couple, couple weeks and months? Quite well, actually. I think last year was an interesting challenge for the Gallery Media Group, which yeah. also houses 1.37 p.m. We launched 1.37 p.m. We launched a podcast you know, platform where we have multiple shows. So we're doing a lot of investing, which always leads to financial challenges. We had a little bit of, we had some shakeup at the you know, sales team level and it's actually been remarkable. Ryan Harwin and I talk almost every day now about the notion of like, it's stunning to see how successful we've been able to be during this time. Now there's a reason. Gallery Media Group, aka PureWow and 137, we sell content-driven advertising more than banners and emails. And right now, everybody's in need of content because they can't do live action yeah. for commercial and things of that nature. So, and, we've, and to be very frank, it's also been our own behavior. We've been able to spend a lot more time with senior executives on Zoom and all these platforms and have absolutely been able to make bigger relationships and create business opportunities uh, for ourselves. Mm. So I guess to move from brands to individuals, you know, I, I know that it's, certain influencers have also been hit a little bit because again, anyone who gets paid to get eyeballs on a product, um, do you think that they're gonna bounce back much quicker than, again, a brand or a business? I would argue they have back, bounced back. I think those articles, 
maybe something you're referring to is a little premature. I think if you go talk to the top 5,000 influencers, the way I kind of pay attention to, they have, they have like, there's individual influencers who've been affected, but that happens every day, COVID, no COVID. Yeah. But, um, you know, the top influencers have been doing just fine. Yeah. Well, I guess it's natural to move on now to, uh, to TikTok, which appears to be one of the kind of bigger, biggest winners of all this, you know, with their sudden captive hungry audience. And there's obviously no doubt that it's really boomed, but obviously there's an awful lot of uncertainty, which seems to be coming out in, in almost real time now. I think, uh, it could be banned in the US. Microsoft has now said it's interested. Um, and the news changes every day. But I guess the first question is, what would you say to people who have boomed on the platform um, and are now facing the uncertainty of it may be banned and that may all go away, poof? I hope that they've been listening to me and other people who've been yelling for a long time that if you're not diversifying, you're vulnerable. Mm. You know, Vine went poof. Snapchat's growth was stagnant. You know, Dane Cook and Tila Tequila were superstars on MySpace. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I believe that you need to be everywhere, but not beholden to anywhere. Okay. And, um, and if you look at the top stars, Addison Ray, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, they've been able to build unbelievably large audiences in other places like Instagram and YouTube and Twitter. So I think they're incredibly... Um, well positioned, but I'm sure for them, like all of us, nobody wants to lose the platform that they're most engaged on or winning on. Mm-hmm. But I always, I also reminded a lot of TikTok stars that I spoke to during this time, you know, if that platform disappears, well, all those eyeballs go somewhere yeah. and they're going to be spread between Instagram and YouTube and Twitter. And so keep that in mind. And so, you know, it does look like there's a deal to be had now with TikTok and Microsoft and the US. We'll see. I mean, obviously we have a very unpredictable, Mm. you know, um, political situation in America. So um, I'm not sure, but I'm prepared for, look, I'm prepared for the internet to be banned. Yeah. You know, like then I'll go outside and make signs. Like, you know, like to me, like, you know, it is what it is. And so you just have to adjust, just like I promise you, nowhere on my roadmap was COVID, sit at home for a year. Yeah. Um, I'm a counter puncher by nature. And I think every influencer, every business person, every executive, every entrepreneur needs to take on that mindset because you're just not in control of everything. Mm. So then, if you're a business or a brand or an influencer and you're not yet on TikTok, is it worth waiting for all this to blow over or do the rules still stand? I think, the biggest, I think the biggest thing people miss is, of course it's worth it, here's why. Learning how to create on the platform will help you on the next platform. Mm. You know, it's like if you missed why this worked, you don't have the consumer insight to why it worked, thus making you vulnerable to the next thing. Yeah. So this is not about selling stuff on TikTok or massing a million fans. This is about understanding why billions of people like something so that you can then make other decisions going forward. I believe that my momentum as a marketer continues to grow because of my understanding of mediums. Mm. Mm. So what, what appears to be working on, on TikTok then? From your content and your experience, what, 
what has a, what has attracted so many people there and what sort of what does it take to to go big i think the ease and the lightness of it is mm-hmm. very you know the music and the trends make it easier for people to be content creators i think it's given people training wheels you don't have to necessarily be able you have you don't have to do it all yourself the filters and the music puts you on third base so the production value that comes along with the platform inherently has put people on, on a platform. Mm. Um, I think being authentic works. So I think a lot of people um, are winning because they're just being their natural self and people like authenticity a lot. And so that I think is really working. And I think people that are not working are people that don't like to dance, that are dancing because mm-hmm. they think that's what's working. I think what's not working is trying to fit into something that isn't you. I'd rather people do what they think, you know, what they know. So another big winner of the last couple of months has been eSports. And now obviously there's a lot of intent, um, increased attention on eSports leagues um, and by a lot of people who, I guess, never thought that they would be interested in it. And I, I know that you have taken a vested interest in it. Um, do you think that it's, it's gone mainstream? Do you think this is it now, now looking back? Yeah, and and again, to be frank, I feel like that was the case pre, you know, COVID. Obviously, I invested in the Minnesota Rocker, you know, uh, league and the the Call of Duty league prior to COVID. I think all of this was inevitable. I think the esports landscape is going to continue to grow. And um, yeah, I mean, I think this was all kind of inevitable. Mm. So I guess, kind of, what's next for 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 you? You know, you've said, you've said kind of previously that, you know, we're probably going to be st- staying at home, or at least you guys are, um, for the foreseeable future. And obviously next year is going to be affected. Um, have your kind of plans changed? Not too much. You know, watching consumers, looking for opportunities, running the VaynerX world. It's a big world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously the speaking bureau, Vayner Speakers, has been affected the most. Production, VPro, Vayner Production second. Everything else is kind of humming along. Um, obviously, with Singapore and London, we have enough globalization that certain markets may shift and do different things. Um, but no, I'm just kind of focused on what I do, which is build and operate businesses and look for opportunity. And that's where I'm at. Well, and I was actually going to say, because we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, I've kind of been following websites like, um, is it like Taobao and, and, and kind of just a lot of the a lot of the, the, the services, consumer to, well not consumer to consumer, uh, brand to influencer, all live stream shopping. Is that something, it's something that's gone kind of gangbusters in China. Um, that's 100% gonna happen in yeah? the rest of the world, 100%. QVC at scale is something I've always believed in. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I couldn't believe in it more. Mm. That's good to know. Um, so kind of, this is it. This is the last question. Um, and it's one close to my heart because I have over the pandemic started a YouTube channel, which is a bit of an experiment because I think deep down people want to interact with people and not necessarily brands. And I was wondering if you agreed with that um, and what advice you might have for me or any other fresh faced YouTuber or would be influencer out there. Yeah, people, you know, there is no brands. There's usually people with a brand, right? There's yeah. no like baseball bouncing around. It's me with the baseball. So yes, I agree with that. 
I would say put out what you want to put out and then read the comments and reply to the comments. It's mm. the community that creates the blueprint of success. And I think too many people miss that part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No worries. Stay safe. You too, my friend. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. Today's highlighted review is Incredible Insights by Jonathan G. This podcast is chock full of incredible content that keeps me motivated every day. I can't believe how many incredible interviews exist on one platform. Thanks for putting out such great content, Gary. You keep putting them out and I keep listening. Thanks, Jonathan. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.